Life is hard. Anybody agree with me on that? Life is hard. It seems everywhere we look, there are tough things uh, all around us. It seems to be the normal thing. There's death, there's sickness, uh, there's heartache, there's pain, there's regret. Uh, there are problems all around us. And sometimes it seems like it's too much. We're going through this life, we're living these days, and life is hard, and it seems like it is too much. Life is hard. You ever notice this? Uh, for some reason, we think if I could ever just get here, uh, if I could ever just get to this point, that life won't be hard any longer. And I don't know why we're built that way, but we think, you know what, if I could just get these things done, if this situation would just clear up and get better, if I could just get here, if I could just get to this place, things would get better. And then you get there, and dadgum, it's still hard. Maybe it's something else. Maybe that problem's fixed, but maybe now it is something else, but it's still hard. Life is hard. Well, let me tell you something today. Life is hard, but the trip is a lot better when you know where you're going. Now, let me say that to you again. Life is hard. We're not going to say it's not. Life is truly hard, but I want to tell you, the trip is a lot better when you know where you're going. Have you noticed today how sad people are? Have you noticed today how distraught it seems people are? Have you noticed today how utterly hopeless people are? And I'm talking about seriously hopeless. St suicide, I read this statistic. Suicide is the number two cause of death in people 10 to 34 years of age. Can you imagine that? That is real. We see it right here in our midst. Suicide, the number two cause of death in people 10 to 34 years of age. Folks, I want to tell you this. Here's what I believe. I believe the reason is because we've quit talking about where we're going. And I'll just tell you, our culture is sad and our world is so distraught today. And I believe the reason is we've quit talking about where we're going. And maybe it is seen as stupid or ignorant, or unintelligent, and I, I believe that it is. Maybe it is seen as a superstition. Maybe it's not culturally acceptable to talk about those things, or maybe it's not politically correct, but we've quit talking about where we are going. Somebody might think you're crazy. You start to talk about heaven, the glory of heaven. Somebody might think you've lost your mind. I read celebrated scientist Stephen Hawking said, there is no heaven. It is a fairy story. And evidently, we've started as a culture listening to guys like that. Well, evidently, we must be intimidated by what they're saying because ev evidently in our culture today, we've taken that in and we are now being far too quiet. Well, I want to start off today and I want to tell you something and I want you to listen very carefully. I am not a scientist. But I'll tell you, by the grace of God, I am saved. And I have not studied the depth of the cosmos, but I'll just tell you, friends, I know it's creator. And I haven't written volumes for a library, but I can tell you I have read the book of truth. And though many may laugh at me as simple, I can tell you this very morning, by faith in the finished work of my Savior Jesus, 
by way of his cross and in the power of his resurrection. Friends, I can tell you with confidence today, I have a dwelling place in the actual locality of heaven and my future is there. Thank you, Jesus. We need to start saying that. We need to be reminded of that. We need to remind each other of that. By faith in Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, our home is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Today in our study of the book of Revelation, we have a description of just part of that reality. Now, I always look at it and think how awesome it is, but it's just a description of part of that reality. I'll just tell you right now, I praise God already for the reminder we're about to see today. I'm thankful for the reminder we're about to see today. Today we're in Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 27. Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 27. Our message today is entitled, A City to Celebrate. A City to Celebrate. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in the ninth verse. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 9, it says this, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Verse 10, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall 72 yards according to human measurements which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of, the Lord, of God has illumined it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. 
and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today. We are thankful that we have hope today that stands. We're thankful that we have peace settled and fixed in that hope. We're thankful that both of those are anchored to the person Jesus. Lord, we come today and we celebrate our Savior. We exalt the name of our Savior. Lord, we pray as we come and we look at these verses today. I pray as a church that we would be built up. I pray as a church today that we would be encouraged. I pray as a people that live in hard days that we again would take bold confidence that in Christ this is our future. Lord, I pray for some that may be listening today, maybe here in person, maybe in some other way. I pray for a person that doesn't know you, that hasn't trusted you. I pray, Lord, in the hearing of your grace, the hearing of your kindness, and the gospel of good news that today might be the very day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that any hindrance to that would be removed. And Lord, we pray that in this day, again, that you are pleased, that you are known, and that you are honored. We lay this before you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we entered into the 21st chapter. As we did that, John described to us that in the absence of evil and sin, there is a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. In that account last week, he told us the good news that no longer separated by sin, God will dwell with his people. Remember the word was tabernacle. He will actually camp with his people. He will be in the midst of his people. Well, today he builds on that good news by further describing the new Jerusalem. And so let's go to our verses and let's work through our verses this morning. Starting back in verse 9. Verse 9, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now, again, we've seen this several times. In fact, every time we start back, this is a continuation. This is a progression. And so what we find here following the ninth verse, it is the next thing being revealed. It is the next thing being unveiled to John. All right, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. John says here that he was carried away in the spirit. If you go to the original language, it could translate he was carried away as a spirit or it could translate he was carried away by means of the spirit. Well, I do not believe this is talking about an out-of-body event for John. I do not believe it's talking about an out-of-body experience. I believe it is consistent to understand the Spirit, in the empowerment of the Spirit, carried him to a great and high mountain. Now, in a moment, we're going to see why the mountain has to be great and why it had to be high. Uh, that will unfold in a moment. John says, once on this high vantage point, 
he sees coming down out of heaven, sent by God, the holy city, this, the new Jerusalem. Now, we talked about it a little bit last week. Remember the significance of the old Jerusalem. To a Jewish person, uh, it was of utter, utmost uh, uh, value to them. Uh, the old Jerusalem was celebrated as the capital city of the Jewish people. Uh, it was where the temple was built by King Solomon. It was where God had chosen to meet with his people. It's where they would travel all of the tribes of Israel uh, to worship him there. And so it was an important thing to them. It was a cherished city to them. Well, now he sees a new Jerusalem. The following verses, he will describe to us this city that he sees. All right, verse 11. Verse 10 again, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Verse 11, having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. This city, John says here, shone with the glory of God. Now, start to try to understand that. It's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. This city actually radiates the splendor of God. Now, we're going to find out in a little while. It's because there in the city is the very presence of God. And so this city radiates the glory of God, the splendor of God. The word brilliant, it means in the Greek, it's a very specific word, an illuminator, uh, that which gives off light. And so this thing, it is specific, it is a, an illuminator, a one that gives off light. It would be like the sun in our understanding. Now, John tries to describe, but I think it's interesting, uh, all of these pictures how amazed he must be, how limited he must feel trying to describe these things with words that we can understand. But he tries to describe it. And he says, like a stone of crystal clear jasper. Uh, I, I read that jasper is not crystal clear. And what's crystal clear is not jasper. But this was a crystal-like stone, jasper. Uh, I was reading about that. Some say uh, that this is a description of a very diamond-like uh, stone or crystal. And so John had never seen a diamond. Maybe he didn't have the word for a diamond, but that is, that is very similar to what he is describing here. The brilliance of the city is somewhat like what we would consider a diamond. Now understand this. This account, this description that we just read here in the 11th verse it will actually bookend our section of verses today. We're going to see a discussion on this topic at the start and then at the conclusion of our verses today. And it is describing to us uh, the radiance of the glory of God. That is, that is the brilliance that comes forth, that shines forth from God's presence. Now, can you imagine that? This is the, the radiance of the glory, the splendor of God. Now, folks, be very sure this morning, there is nothing else like it. 
Now, we're going to read a whole bunch of descriptions today. We're going to read of all these other stones, of all these other jewels, but there is nothing like what is being described to us right here. It is the radiance of the glory of God. It's not like those other stones. The radiance of the splendor of God. Really, it's incomprehensible for us. The city glows. The city shines. He sees the city, and the city itself radiates with the very glory of the presence of God. Can you imagine that? I've been driving along, and you get close to Dallas, and you see a whole lot of lights. I've been flying along on a plane, you get close to Houston, you see a whole lot of lights. But I want to tell you, we've never seen anything like this. When he sees the city, the city itself glows and radiates with the very splendor of God. Oh, what that must look like. Verse 12. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels. And names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Let me read that again. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Now in their day, a city was determined to be great by its wall, and a great wall signified a great city inside. Well, the New Jerusalem, the Bible says, has a great and high wall. The Bible tells us here it has 12 gates. And on those 12 gates are 12 names, the names of the sons of Israel. Now, that is a very profound thing, and that is an awesome thing. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, it's more profound than we can even imagine, probably more profound than, than we might know. But understand this, God made a promise to Abraham. God made a promise to Jacob, to Israel. And through his sons, through his 12 sons, God has worked throughout the course of history. And God has proven faithful throughout the course of history. And now the gates are monuments to the faithfulness of God. And so when you see the names of these 12 tribes, it is a monument testifying to the faithfulness of God throughout all of these ages. He adds right there, at the 12 gates, there are 12 angels, one for each gate. Now slow down for a second right there. I want you to think about that. Here are 12 gates. At each of the 12 gates, there is an angel. What are those angels doing? And I started to think about that. They're not running the gate. Gates are always open. Well, they're there to run the gate. They're not running the gate. Gates are always open. They're not guarding the gate. There are no enemies to watch. There's no threat. And so they're not there guarding the gate. That's not what they're doing. Let me just tell you, I can't figure out why they're there. And I read that account and it says they're there, but they're not there opening it and shutting it. They're not there with a checklist. They're not there keeping out some sort of threat. I can't figure out why they're there except to add to the glory of the city. But here are these 12 angels and they are at this gate. I don't know why they're there, but let me tell you what I think in my mind. Now, this is just me, and I'm kind of weird, but here's what I think. 
I think these 12 angels, there they are perched on the 12 gates of the entrance to glory to heaven. And I believe here's what they do. They don't have a purpose in defending that city. Here's what I believe they're doing. I believe they're like a greeter at Walmart. And here's what I believe they're saying. You're not going to believe it in here. You're not going to believe it in here. And oh, I don't know what you faced out there. I don't know the roads you've, you've walked to get here. I know it came through our Savior, Jesus. But I think they stand there perched on those gates and they say, listen, friend, you're not going to believe it in here. The glory of God is in here. I think they say, hallelujah, welcome to glory. That's just me. Don't take that. Don't go tell anybody else that. Verse 13, and there were three gates on the east and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south and three gates on the west. There are 12 gates, three each on the four sides. Uh, access won't be limited for lack of a gate. There's going to be plenty of gates. There are 12 gates. Verse 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, the, the wall is great and high. It is built, the Bible says, on 12 foundation stones. And on those stones of foundation are written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, I like to think about that for just a second. These 12 carried the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, literally at the cost of themselves. And I want you to think about those 12. They were faithful to the call to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. They gave their life to the commission to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they carried it literally at the cost of themselves. And I think about those 12. The world had no use for those 12. The world mocked those 12. The world ultimately killed those 12. And so the world has no use for them, but on the very foundation stones of the walls of heaven stands their names. Friends, let me tell you something. God sees, and God knows, and God blesses faithfulness. He doesn't overlook them. He blesses their faithfulness. God blesses faithfulness. Verse 15. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and wall. This one is talking. He's about to measure the city. Now, think about that for a second. Why is he about to measure the city? God knows how big it is. God doesn't need a list of measurements. Why is he about to measure the city? Friends, see this, it is for us. And let me tell you what it means. It means the city is real. It means the city is literal. Is this literal? Is it symbolic? Listen, you can't measure something that is symbolic. It can be measured. Friends, I need to tell you today, you need to remember today, there is a heaven, and it is a literal heaven, and it is real, and we can be sure of that, confident of that, because of the authority of the Word of God, He tells us it is real. Years ago, some kid, I guess his dad, trying to make some money, wrote a book called Heaven is for Real. 
A whole bunch of folks said, hey, heaven must be for real. Listen to me. We didn't need the book. We got the measurements. Heaven is real. Praise God. Heaven is real. Verse 16. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as, it's, as the width. And he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. The city is a cube. Now, the Bible says here it is 1,500 miles wide. It is 1,500 miles tall. It is 1,500 miles long. Heaven is huge. That's why he had to go to such a great mountain to see it. That's why he had to have that vantage point to be able to see it. Heaven is huge. Be sure of that. Heaven is huge. There's not going to be a limitation in heaven because of a lack of space. Heaven is huge. Verse 17. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. That's interesting. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The wall is 72 yards thick. Now, think about a football field. That's 100 yards. So picture that. How thick is the wall, it is 72 yards thick. It is 216 feet thick. Now the Bible tells us here, in case we were wondering, angels use the same measurements as people. I didn't know that. It's not the metric system, evidently. Angels use the same measurements as people. Now, here again is this question. What's the deal with the wall? Why do you need the wall? There's no enemies of God here. There's no threats to the city here. Why do you need the wall? A wall was a city's protection. A wall was a city's security. And I believe, friends, this wall, this great and high wall, standing there 72 yards thick, I believe this great wall testifies eternally it is safe here. You can rest here. You are eternally secure here. And so once you're here, there, yes, there's no threat. You can rest here. Now there's a detailed description, verse 18. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The wall is that same diamond-like crystal of verse 11. The city is pure gold. Now, now, there is a Greek word for refined gold. It's not this word. This is a very specific word. This is for pure gold that needs no refining. And so it is pure gold. It hasn't been refined and cleaned up. It is pure gold, and it says, like clear glass. Verse 19, the foundation stones of the city were adorned, decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, verse 20, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The foundation, the Bible says, is set on these twelve stones. Now, let me describe them to you. It's interesting. Again, John's trying the best he can uh, to make it where we can see and understand it. It's not going to be perfect. 
But let me try to describe this to you, and I want you to, to act like you're seeing it. Try to envision what we're seeing here. Jasper, again, this, this glowing crystal, hard to describe, probably like a diamond. A sapphire, it was blue, but it heads toward the color ruby. So picture that. It's a blue color, but it leans toward the color of ruby. Uh, Calcine, this is a type of quartz. Uh, it is bluish with white and gray mixed in it. It is bluish with white and gray mixed in it. Emerald, this is a deep but shining green. Sardonyx, this is a mix of dark red and white. Now picture that. You mix those two together. We would call that color some sort of blush today. Now, sardius was another translucent, vibrant color. Crystallite, it is goldish in color. Beryl, it is gold, but it is sometimes mixed with a yellow and a green. Topaz, it's a different kind of yellow. It is a shining yellow. It is a bright yellow. Sometimes it has an hints of pink. Uh, chrysoprase, that is apple green. And so it's, it's not a common green, it is apple green. Jacinth, it is yellow and red. It is a very intense color. Amethyst, that is a translucent blue and violet. Now listen, I read that. We really can't, uh, really can't imagine that. Try and think about that. The rainbow is going to pale next to these colors. Now I read that list, and then I start reading what that list is describing, and I want to help set this in perspective today. The Bible says these awesome colors, this awesome picture, these are the foundation stones. I want you to get this this morning. How awesome is the new Jerusalem? How awesome is this city? What we just had described to us, as awesome as it is, it is the concrete of heaven. You ever go to somebody's house and they say, look at my concrete. We got 10-foot ceilings. Look at those doorknobs over there. Look at that kitchen. I've never been anywhere. They said, look at the concrete. You want to set this in perspective? This is the concrete of heaven. Praise the Lord. Verse 21. Ooh, I love this verse. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. The streets are pure gold. Again, gold. The word here is gold that needs no refining. This is perfect gold. Those are the streets. It looks like glass. One of my favorite parts of the whole thing is this. These 12 gates, each one is of a single pearl. Now, I want you to start to picture that. Here are these 12 gates, and there are three gates on each of the four sides, and each of these gates is made of a single pearl. I read where a pearl was more valuable, more precious, more treasured, then all of the other precious metals and all of the other precious stones, because they could not be 
mass produced because they could not be mined somewhere in massive quantity. And so these are the most valuable, the most precious, the most treasured things of the whole city. Isn't that fitting? Isn't that perfect? Because the only entry into heaven is through Jesus. And so friends, understand today, he is the gate. And he is more valuable. And he is more precious. And he is more treasured. And I want to tell you one day, we will actually walk through these gates into heaven. And as we do, we will walk through a gate made of a single pearl. And it will be testifying to the great treasure we have in Jesus. As we walk into heaven, it will testify to the great value that we cherish in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 22 and 23. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. John had been trained his experience was the greatest part of the old Jerusalem was the temple. And any, any Jewish person would have told you the same thing. It's how they were trained. Uh, ever since Solomon, the most prominent feature of Jerusalem was the temple. And that is where they worshiped. And that is where they sought God. And from all of the vantage points as you enter into the city, all of the entryways into the city, a Jewish person, the very first thing they would have looked for, they've topped the hill, they've made the trip to Jerusalem, they're there to worship, and as they top the hill, the very first thing they would have looked for is the temple of God. And as they top that hill, their hearts would have welled up inside of them, there is the temple of my great God, there's the temple. And John says he looked, and maybe he even hoped, but he looked, and when he sees this new city, he saw there is no temple in it. And then he explains it for the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb is its temple, and the, light, the sun is no longer needed there. The moon has become redundant there because God's presence is there, and his glory shines forth there, and his radiance shines forth there, and the lamp is the Lamb of God. God is with his people. There's no temple there. Praise the Lord. Verse 24, the nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Verse 25, in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will, be, will never be closed. Verse 26, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. I thought it was interesting. There are some people, and they spend a lot of time trying to figure out who these nations and who these kings are. And they've got all sorts of riddles and puzzles, and they, they try to figure out, well, who these kings are, who these nations are. Let me tell you this. I don't believe there is a king, and I don't believe there is a nation that can add to the glory of heaven. And I believe these represent all of the redeemed, both great and small, 
whose presence in heaven testifies to the glory of God. And so I don't think there's any nation there and anybody saying, well, hey, look, it's a big deal. That nation's there. I don't think there's any king there other than Jesus. And anybody saying, hey, look, that king is here. I believe this represents all of the people, great and small, who are standing in glory by the work of Jesus and it testifies and brings glory to the lamb. That's what I believe. Verse 27. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Every week we have a reminder. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Trip's a lot better when you know where you're going. Life is hard and things are unexpected. Trip's a lot better when you know where you're going. Is this your hope? Is this your reality? Do you have that peace here today? Can you sit here and say, you know what, I, I know life's tough and I know things maybe haven't turned out the way I hope, but I know my future is safe and secure in the work of our Savior Jesus. Do you have that peace today? I want to tell you today, the, the door of salvation, Jesus, is open to you this very day. His grace is offered to you in the gospel of Jesus Christ today. If you'll trust him today, if you'll come to Jesus today, he'll forgive you, he'll restore you, he'll redeem you, and he will give you eternal life. Is this your hope today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come and I praise you this morning. I, I worship you today. Lord, I, I pray we wouldn't be so apathetic to have to wait for a future day to tell you you're great and you're awesome and we love you. We seek to lift high your name to bring glory to your name. Lord, I pray for somebody here that doesn't know you. Somebody here that's, that's struggling through the hardships of life, carrying their guilt and their sin and their shame along through these days. I pray, Lord, that they would turn to you in the hearing of the, the gospel of Christ, in the hearing of good news of a risen Savior. Pray that any hindrance to their hearing, to their responding will be removed. And I pray this very day they would trust you for their blessing, for your namesake. Lord, I pray for those of us here today who are believers. Many of us going through and have gone through tough things. But I pray for us today as believers that we walk out of here and Lord, I pray that there's a spring in our step and there's a smile on our face and there's a joy in our heart. This is my future in Jesus. Lord, help us tell a lost and dying world their hope is the same. Lord, we come, we tell you, we worship you. We exalt you, we thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close with a time of response, a time of invitation today. And I want to tell you, as awesome as that, uh, those verses are today, as awesome as that account is today, the good news is this. It's offered to you right now by faith in Jesus Christ. Not of any work that you've ever done, not that anything that you would impress somebody at church or God himself, but by faith in Jesus, you can be saved today. If you've never done that, you come, let's settle that today. If you have questions about that, you come, let's see what the word of God says. Let's settle that today. Maybe you're here and you've put your trust in Christ. Maybe it was recently, 
Maybe it was some other time, but you've never fallen in believer's baptism. The Bible shows us it's always by immersion. It's a picture of what we believe. Jesus died in a grave, came out of it. The Bible also says it's not part of our, our salvation. It's a testimony to it. And so maybe you, you've come and you've never fallen in believer's baptism, and you need that testimony to stand in obedience to Christ. You come as well. It'll be a great day celebrating our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well and together we'll preach his word. We'll uphold his good news until he comes again. Maybe you're here and you're facing something else today. Maybe you want to come and pray at an altar here. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Uh, nothing is too great. Nothing is too small uh, that we can't carry it to the Lord. Maybe that's what you want to do today. I'm going to ask uh, that no one would stir for an exit. No one would head that way. Uh, but that you would Pray for those who are making decisions. We stand to sing. If God has spoken to you, if he's speaking to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here.